Welcome, Nexus Church family, online to our series we've titled Infinitely More. Now, over the course of this seven weeks, we have been taking a look at a very powerful passage where we get this title from. That is Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. And I will read it for you, and then we'll get into today's message. Paul writes in this passage, Now all glory to God, here it is, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. And so throughout this series, we're going to discover God's ultimate plan for you and for me and how that comes through the Spirit-filled life. And, And my hope and my prayer for you is that you not only encounter the power of God in your life, but that you allow it to use you to do infinitely more than what you could ever imagine because God has chosen you to spread His good news that Jesus came to change the world, to give us access to the Father. And so we hope that this encourages you in the next few weeks as we gather together. If you want more information about our church, Nexus Church, here in Thief River Falls, you can go online to nexuschurchmn.com or you can go to our Facebook page, Nexus Church MN, and search for us there. We are praying for you that God continues to work mightily in you. Enjoy today's message. Welcome back, Nexus Church family, to our sixth week in our seven-week series that we entitled Infinitely Born. In this series, we've been investigating this time between Jesus' resurrection from the dead to the day he sent the Holy Spirit, that is Pentecost Sunday. We've been basing it around, of course, the Ephesians 3.20 verse that we just read moments ago. And we've been discussing how does the Holy Spirit unlock this infinite life that God has called us to through the empowerment that Jesus gave through this cross and through his Holy Spirit. And now this week, we're going to be taking a look at the Holy Spirit uh, because as we learned last week, one of the big promises of Jesus is that he would send the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to take a look at exactly who is the Holy Spirit and what does he do. Now, I came across a story as I was preparing for this message that, that really highlighted how messy or how confusing the Holy Spirit can be in our lives because I realized many of you watching today come from many backgrounds. Uh, Some of you, maybe you're new to the faith, and (laughs) the fact that God is three persons in one is way too much for you to understand. 
Uh, some may come from a conservative background where uh, the Holy Spirit wasn't really maybe talked about a lot, or maybe it was, I don't want to call it dumbed down, but it was just not highlighted as much. And then maybe you come from a very Pentecostal background where the Holy Spirit is talked about all the time, and maybe given too much time at the center. And that's why this, this whole series is, is really important for us to have, because it doesn't just highlight the Holy Spirit. It highlights the fact that, that Jesus is the centerpiece, and it all begins with him and what he did on the cross, and that, that Jesus was, in fact, the answer that was given before time even began. And so the, the story uh, that I came across uh, it was about a man who, who had dreamt about going to the Sistine Chapel. He wanted to see the great works of art that were all over the ceiling at the chapel. And he dreamt about it and looked at it in books and, and spent hours investigating and planning out a trip to go to visit this great work of art. And after some time of planning and prepping and getting his resources together, he finally got there. And upon arrival, he looks up as he walks through those doors, and he is absolutely disappointed beyond all belief. The colors that he saw in the pictures and all the videos he had seen didn't come close to how dull it was. They made it look so beautiful, so bright. And in his confusion, as he looked around, he was like, what, what is... What did they do to me? Did they trick me? Did they take pictures of something else? Were their cameras like ultra sensitive? What happened here? And so he, he flags down one of the people there that was working at the chapel. And, and he asks, what's going on? I spent all these years, all this money, all this time planning and prepping. And I get here and it's, it's ugly. It's dull. What's wrong? And so this curator says to, to this man, follow me. And as they are walking through the chapel and through the halls, he points to the fact that throughout the chapel there's candles littering the hallways, littering everywhere they go. And he exemplifies the fact that these candles give off smoke and soot and dirt and over time it builds up on the walls and on the ceilings and it it dulls the beauty of the color and after discussing that for a while and going through the halls they get to a an opening and as he looks up he realizes that this was more than just art this was hard work uh, this was something that they had to work out constantly to keep clean and to freshen up and to make beautiful. And as he saw the colors and he saw the pictures, the beauty was more spectacular than he could ever imagine. And it is that way with the Holy Spirit. You see, we have all these thoughts and all these ideas of, of who the Holy Spirit is. But in fact, if we have an open heart, an open mind, as we look at what Scripture says about the Holy Spirit, we soon come to understand that the Holy Spirit is, in fact, one of the most beautiful gifts 
that God has given us. Besides our salvation and the gift of being able to be in heaven forever with God who created you and knows you personally, this Holy Spirit that Jesus promised to his disciples that we celebrate in just a week on Pentecost Sunday was in fact just as amazing as Jesus himself. In fact, in some regards, more amazing because unlike Jesus, the Holy Spirit can be everywhere at any time. And so let's take a look at this. I want to highlight the I will statements that we covered last week, at least in regards to the Holy Spirit. And, and let's take this step by step and figuratively take this cloth and clean up and polish up this gift of the Holy Spirit that God has given us one little step at a time. And for some of you, maybe this will be a recap of what you already know, but remain open to what God has through his scripture today. And so John 16, 7, a verse we covered last week in the I will statements, says this, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Now, this is Jesus talking, because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. You see, Jesus is telling his disciples, as, as he has already mentioned to him, that he has to go to be with the Father, and they're in this confusion, and we've covered this many times, but, but just to, to highlight this, this important truth, that his disciples were absolutely frightened. Everything they'd hoped for in Jesus came to pass. It truly was exactly what they had hoped for. But then Jesus lays this bomb on them and says, I am leaving you. I'm leaving you soon. And they're like, what? You just, you're just getting started. You're supposed to create this massive, massive kingdom. What's going on? They were confused over what the kingdom of heaven is and the kingdom of this world is. And so Jesus unpacks for them and says, whoa, guys, time out. I am one person. Yes, I am God, but I am limited on earth to this human form. And so Jesus, yes, was fully God and is fully God, but at that time, he was limited to his human capacity. He had human limitations like you and I. Though he was God and had the, the, the spiritual formation inside of him, of 100% God, he had this physical limitation. And though that is beyond me to ever fully understand or even try to, to explain, the reality was is he was limited. And he was telling his disciples, point blank, if I go, I will send the Holy Spirit and he will be everywhere at all times and he will live in you, not with you, but in each person. How much more powerful is that than one person with you in the present place that you are at? Like, that is way more powerful. So guys, I've got to go. This advocate, this one that will come in my place, he is so much better, and he is going to be personal inside each one of you, and he will empower you. He'll remind you of all things. He'll do all these, these amazing things that I can't do. And so it's important that we understand today, first and foremost, the Holy Spirit is a person, right? He's not some mystical being 
He's not some roaring fire like what we may think of in the story of Moses. He, he's not some feeling or some emotion. Uh, you know, I know that Pentecostals get reamed on that all the time, that you guys are just all about feelings and getting people all riled up, and then they think they have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. It, it's not that. The Holy Spirit is a person. Not, again, a human person like me or you, but he has personal attributes where he comes in and he lives inside of us and understands us and can work in us and through us. He is a personal being. A personal being. And because the Holy Spirit is a person, he can impact us in a personal way. Listen to John 14, verses 15 and 17. It says, if you love me, keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever the spirit of truth the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you man over and over in this text jesus is saying him he right the Holy Spirit is a personal being. He's not just an it. He's a personal being. And because this text was written and Jesus spoke in a time where, where it was a male-dominant culture, he spoke in the words of him and he as the most powerful and, and important form of a person. The Holy Spirit is a personal being. He is, as we call, the Trinity, part of the Godhead. He is the third person of the Trinity. He's personal. The Holy Spirit is with us. He's in us. And he works through us. And so though the Holy Spirit is, is hard to define, we do know that much about him as a person, as a being. But what does he do? And for the remainder of our time, I want to just highlight two important aspects of what the Holy Spirit does. You see, the Holy Spirit works in the life of an unbeliever, that person who doesn't yet believe that God is real, and he also works in the life of those who have accepted and believed that God is real. And so the Holy Spirit first and foremost draws. This is the most important aspect of the Holy Spirit. He draws us to God. Now we see this very powerfully in John chapter 6. Now, you can go and read that for yourself in time, but I'm telling you, the latter half of John 6 is very deep, and there's so much in it, but it's very powerful. And I've, I've preached on that passage before, and it is so full of meat, and I really encourage you to read it. But in essence, Jesus just gets done feeding 
the multitudes. And then they, they follow him across the sea when he tries to get away and spend some time alone with his disciples. They get up in the morning and they find that he is gone and then they just bolt after Jesus and, and he finally meets with them. And they try to make him their king. And he addresses the fact like, you're doing this for the wrong reasons. And then they keep pressing him. They keep pressing him. And finally, he says... I am not the person you want. The person that I am directs people to the Father. And then he uses the bread of his body and the blood of, of the wine that, that is the way to the Father. It is, it is through his broken body, his shed blood. And they get so confused. And then Jesus looks at him and says, unless the Father draws you, you can't come. Right, John six forty four. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them, and I'll raise them up on the last day. Now, in this, in this word "draw," the Greek word is "helku," which means to literally drag. Right, it's the Holy Spirit that pulls you into that relationship with the Father, and I wish I could go into detail with this today, but I'm telling you from my own personal experience from, from many people that I've talked to, that is the exact feeling as they think back to their time of coming to Jesus and believing in Him. That's what, that's what it was like, and maybe it's that way for you. Maybe, maybe it's still something that you're, you're cloudy on, but I'm telling you, when the Holy Spirit draws you to the Father, it is as if it is the best thing you could ever do. It's the best decision you could ever make. It's so irresistible, the fact that God is real and you want to know him more. You want to live for him. You want to give your life to him. It is the Holy Spirit that is at work in you. And so the Holy Spirit draws a person to God. He draws a person to God. And then we have the choice to accept it. He can't force us. He can get us right up to that pool to drink, but the Holy Spirit can't force you to suck in the water and say yes and swallow, right? You can lead a parched horse to water and, and they could be dying of thirst and if they don't take that water, they will die. So the Holy Spirit draws us and says, this is irresistible. How can you resist this? And you have the choice to say yes or no to that offer. And so the Holy Spirit draws a person. And then once we cross over and we say yes to the Holy Spirit and we say, I want to live for Jesus, I want to give my life to Jesus, then we have the Holy Spirit shifting roles in our life. The Holy Spirit then leads. Before the Holy Spirit draws. And now it's as if he switches and he comes behind. And he leads us along the path. Kind of like if, if you've read the story of the Israelites when they were in the wilderness. God led them by a, a cloud in the day and a pillar of fire at night. The Holy Spirit leads us. He doesn't force us. He leads us. 
We see this in Romans 8, 5, beautiful passage where Paul says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature, think about sinful things, right? When you don't have the Holy Spirit inside of you, you're dominated by whatever you want, whatever you're feeling that day. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, those who are led by the Holy Spirit, think about things that please the Spirit. He guides us. He leads us. He comes inside and he, he gives us those thoughts that glorify God. Those things that, that God wants inside of us. It's, it's the Holy Spirit that puts them there. Now we can reject it, right? Much like we can reject the Holy Spirit leading us to the cross and, and leading us to the point of salvation. We can't, he can't make us be saved but he can lead us to that place. And it's the same way in our walk with God. He can, he can lead us to the place where he puts those things in front of us, those ways to live, the decisions to make that would honor God. He can, he can put the thoughts in our mind. He can put the, the ability to make good decisions right in front of us, but it's ultimately our choice that, that will seal the deal. Whether we reject the Holy Spirit in us or we accept it. So listen to what kinds of things that Paul uses in Galatians 5, 19 to 25 to kind of to give us this picture of what it means to say yes to the Holy Spirit and say no to the Holy Spirit. He gives us some, some attributes of how we live that honor God or choose to not allow the Holy Spirit to guide us. So he says in Galatians 5.19, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. This is a powerful statement. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Pretty clear. Let me put a little piece of information in between these, these verses. If we are not being led by the Holy Spirit, there's a good chance that we haven't crossed over when the Holy Spirit drew us to the cross. When that Holy Spirit was drawing you to Jesus, drawing you to Jesus, and you finally got to that point to make that decision, you said no. That, that's what Paul is saying here is you don't have any part in the kingdom of heaven if those are your attributes because you haven't given the Holy Spirit control of your heart and your mind. But the Holy Spirit, when you've given him the ability to lead you, produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. 
Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our life. That is so good. You see, it reminds me of this new technology that we have in cars today. Now, years ago, not just that far ago, only the really wealthy could have these kinds of tools and gadgets in their cars. But nowadays, I've seen many, many commercials of common, ordinary cars that are coming out with things like lane assistance and braking when you're getting too close to an object. And it's a, it's a crazy tool, right? You have sensors and cameras all over the car that notify you if you're drifting out of your lane or if there's a car coming too soon. And, and I can't remember how the commercial put it, but it gently corrects you in some way. It says that. And so you get back on the path so that you don't run into somebody else in another lane or you don't rear-end somebody in front of you. A great tool, a great tool to have. It guides you. It keeps you safe so that you can continue on your way and get to your destination. But here's what we also know about those cars. And I would be the first one to admit, I would be the one who does this. You can disable those features and get rid of them. Now, why would you do that? <laughs> well, let me be the first one to explain. Because I like to be in control of my car. In fact, I got a car that has so basic gadgets that I can be in complete control to the point where I control when I shift. I like manuals. I like to be in control. I like to know what kind of power I get to put down when I'm driving. But that doesn't work so well in our personal life, does it? At least not if we want to live a significantly, infinitely more life that God has called us to. You see, the Holy Spirit is there to lead you, to guide you, to give you the power to live an infinite life, to do more than you could ever imagine or think. But too many of us, and I am just as guilty as anybody else, we like control of our life. Sure, we'll let God guide us in certain areas, right? I mean, it was easy personally for me to say no to the life that I was living as a grocery store manager because it's nothing special. I can come and give up a lifestyle to, to be a professional pastor. That was easy for me. But to control my thoughts or to act appropriately all the time to give that to God is not as easy for me to say no to people to make the best choice for my personal well-being to get the rest I need to stop thinking negatively and speaking negatively that's hard for me to give up but that's not what God wants me to have in my life. 
And so for us today, God wants to help you in an area in your life that you're struggling with. You see, it comes down to this in our life, doesn't it? We have a choice to either accept what the Holy Spirit wants to do through us to create like the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. All of those things are hard. <laughs> but to get to that infinite life that Paul promises, that's the path we must take. We must choose that in our life. We must allow the Holy Spirit to, to grab a hold of our minds, our emotions, our will. And our will has to line up with God's will. And that's what the Holy Spirit was sent to do. And so today, let me... Just be bold, blunt, and brutally honest. You must give God complete control of every area of your life if you want to see him come alive. That's not easy. And so today what I want you to do is to pick one thing. You know, if you're like me, you have a hundred things that possibly could come across your mind right now. And if you say yes to too many of them, you just, you kill yourself before you even get started. So take one area. What one thing can you let go of in your life? Maybe it's a thought. Maybe it's negativity. Maybe it's spending. Maybe it's, maybe it's your job. I mean, maybe it's a big thing, but you know that God has been speaking to you about this thing for a long time. Will you give him complete control of that one thing? Say, God, I'm giving it to you. We can talk about the rest another time. Let's just start on one thing today and get control over that. And for others of you today, I realize that we're having everybody from all kinds of backgrounds listening and watching us today, and, and I want to also give you an opportunity. You're saying, I want to be led by the Holy Spirit, but I haven't done step one yet. I haven't been drawn to God yet. You said the Holy Spirit draws us to God, and I'm feeling like God has been leading me. Will you simply say a prayer today? It's as simple as this, saying, God, I admit I've failed I can't live according to your standards. Just reading the Galatians today and, and reading all of these thoughts that, that a person who's going to heaven must have, I don't have a whole lot of that. I have some, but I know that one will keep me from your presence because that's what it says. If you lack any of these, you can't be in my presence. And so I, I need you to forgive me of that. And I know that Jesus came to forgive. And because his body was broken, he was punished for me, and because he shed his blood so that I can be pure in God's eyes, I, I can now be forgiven. And so if that's you today, just simply say a prayer. God, I, I ask for forgiveness, and I want your Holy Spirit to lead me. I want you to, to be my guide. I know I have a lot to clean up, and I'm willing to take those steps necessary to be a follower of Jesus.
If that's you, I encourage you to connect with us on Facebook. Uh, send a message. Uh, if you need to call, call or text or stop by the church if you're in the area. And I encourage you, find a community. Find a group of people that you can connect with, that you can grow with, because we need each other. And so today, wherever you're at, I want to pray for you and encourage you that you have the ability to live an infinite life more than you could ever imagine or think because the Holy Spirit is waiting for you to say yes. So Father, I pray that every person listening or watching today will say yes, will give you the opportunity to lead them, to lead them down the path you have for them. God, I pray you keep drawing them in and keep leading them in the path that is best for them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to seeing you again soon. See you there.